This is episode 30 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 30 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Sav Almeida on the show and Sav is a Canadian investing in Detroit, Michigan. He's been flipping properties there since 2018. We're just over halfway through 2019 at this point and he's done 14 transactions since he got started in 2018. So he has been crushing it and uh, the guy's mindset is all there. He picked up his bags and he moved from the greater Toronto area down to Windsor, Ontario, which is just across the border so that he could go ahead and start flipping properties at a pretty crazy rate. He's exercised the use of joint ventures and he's also burying properties in Windsor, as I mentioned, and he's joint venturing there too. He seems like he's got a lot of irons in the fire and the big takeaways that I got from his interview were it's all about networking. It's all about getting around different people uh, in the areas you want to invest, learning who they work with, learning what their mindset is uh, because that stuff's contagious. And if you get around those people long enough, you start to learn what you need to know to do deals. So it was really inspiring to interview Sav. It was a really fun interview and uh, I'm genuinely curious. I'm going to take Sav up in his offer and I'm going to head on down to uh, to Windsor to meet up with him and we're going to head over to Detroit to look at some properties. So I'm really looking forward to that and I hope you're really looking forward to this interview. Uh, just a quick heads up, we are still doing the monthly meetup, the Greater Hamilton REI meetup. We just had a great meetup. We're going to be hosting one every single month going forward. So if you're not already in that group, make sure that you reach out to me so that you can be a part of it. Uh, you can reach me on Instagram or Facebook at the Andrew Hines and my last name is spelled H-I-N-E-S. So without further ado, here is episode 30 with Sav Almeida. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Sav Almeida. Did I do it right? Yep, that's right. That's probably the first time in the last five that I said it right first try. So I'll give myself a, a pat on the back. So Sav, first off, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, you know what? Let me let me give you some gratitude back because uh, uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. You know, um, uh, spreading the word really about real estate investing to everybody who wants to hear and your audience in particular. And uh, I know what's going to happen right after this. My phone's going to start ringing off the hook. You know, everybody's going to want to know more about what we talk about here. So, you know, yeah. thank you for having me because that helps me as an investor uh, expand my network as well. So. Yeah, well, it's all it's all about expanding, right? Like we're we're both growing. I I can say just from when I started the podcast, how my circle of influence and and just the people who are in my circle has improved, and, and the quality of people and the influences that uh, really just helped me to be a better real estate investor. So I'm I'm pumped about it and getting a chance to meet guys like you and and hear your story and hopefully steal a few gold nuggets for myself uh, in the process. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so Sav, if you wouldn't mind, could you just walk me through what you're up to right now. I know you have an interesting story, which I've, I've heard a podcast you were on before, but I was like working out at the time and I, I didn't catch everything. So I'd like it if you could just walk me through what your current lifestyle is right now. Okay. So um, basically I'm a flipper. That's, that's my um, start in real estate investing. Um, and I flip Detroit. So I like to say I'm the only Canadian who's living in Canada and actually uh, flips Detroit or Michigan. So um, I think I've, I haven't heard of anybody else who does that. So uh, that's my little niche, if you will. Uh, but at the same time, um, I also am uh, a buy and hold. So I, I love the BRRR strategy. I love to do that strategy. So uh, I focus in the Windsor market for that as well. So yeah. So active business is flipping in Detroit and then uh, passive is, is really buy and hold in, in uh, Windsor. Okay, so you're you're doing uh, buy and hold in Windsor. Obviously, as a Canadian, it's a little easier to uh, to own in Canada. Yep. Um, as an investor, I've owned as buy and hold in the states. I know we were just talking about this before we started rolling, and um, I know some of the hurdles that come with that. Um, do you mind telling me a little bit about why you decided to flip in Detroit and? and hold in Windsor. What's the appeal? Let's start with Detroit. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, we got we to gotta rewind a couple of years for that, right? So sure. um, um, when I started in real estate investing, in fact, I was uh, living in Oakville. So, you know, okay. that's that's where that's where basically I'm from. Not, not really I'm from, but that's where we were living, right? And uh, I did my first flip in Oakville. Um, and uh, I guess we'll get into the numbers later, but but that yeah. was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> I found the harsh realities of, of, of the flipping game, uh, you know, I don't care what anybody says um, or preaches. It's hard to flip. It's hard to make money. 
yeah. let alone on your first deal, right? Especially if you don't know what you're doing and uh, you're just getting into it. So um, through that exercise, I realized that I need to find uh, a lower barrier to entry. Okay. Um, and where do I go for that, right? So I looked at Hamilton uh, for sure. You know, I looked at the surrounding areas mm-hmm. uh, outside the GTA. Okay. I, I even went to Buffalo um, and looked at that, right? Um, although the prices are cheaper, you know, you're getting into much, much older homes, you know, 200, 300 year old. In year Buffalo? Old, in Buffalo, yeah. And as a first time flipper, you don't want to open up the walls and find out, you know, you got to change, pretty much rebuild the whole house. So. Oh, come on, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, now it is. Now, now, now I wouldn't mind taking one now of those projects. Now you're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so I just had a venture outside. I, I had to go far, far, you know, far enough to find a market that I could um, get into easily. Um, because I wanted to scale up my business. And at that point, I was using only my own money, um, and I couldn't afford to do a flip a year to uh, sustain what I wanted to do in my plans. So so it was, it was an amount of capital looking at what you could deploy, and you could deploy more in Detroit? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so to clarify, you wanted to do more than a flip of a year? Oh, for sure. So, for so sure. Detroit allowed you to do that? Yep, yep. How many are you flipping a year right now? Uh, so this year, um, by the end of it, we would have done 10 flips. 10 flips this year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What's your average buy price? Uh, we're buying at about 50 grand US. Okay. Yeah. Typical sale price, where would that be? Uh, 150 plus. 150 plus, and yeah. renos are on average? Uh, another 50, I would say. Yeah. So you're profiting 50 a deal, you think? Or Well, after closing well, costs you still and got all closing, of that stuff. Yeah. And interest, yeah. carrying costs, um, various different things like that. Okay. Yeah. So about 30, I would say. 30, 30 a deal. That's, yeah. that's pretty solid numbers. And I think this is a good conversation to have because with the Oakville market. So for those who aren't familiar, Oakville is is right near Toronto and it's got that Toronto bubble kind of attached to it where it's it the values are high. And even where I was I was flipping a couple of properties in London through my company, uh, London Ontario, I uh, I really started to see that I was getting exposed a lot more. I felt like there was a lot of risk in in trying to flip something where I was buying it say at 280, 350, somewhere in that pocket, and then trying to turn that property around and sell it, you know, for high fives or 600,000 or even over 600,000. Yeah. When you get into numbers like that, first off, there's so many less buyers that can even afford to buy a house in that price range. And so your market's drastically decreased. I'm not going to lie. It kind of got me out of wanting to flip properties at all. Uh, just looking at those numbers and saying like, you know what? I, I think the last one, if I had sold it, I was about to sell it and I decided to keep it. But if I had sold it, I would have made 40 grand and I would have sold it for 650 or something. And I'm like, that is just not worth flipping a property in this price range to make 40 grand. So, nope, I'm keeping that one. Yeah. And uh, I can see what you're saying, because if you get into Oakville, like you could be selling houses for a million dollars to regular, you know, Joe and Jill like, homeowner just looking for a place to live. Sure. And those are high price points. And what if something changes in the market? What if, you know, there's so many what ifs and you have a million dollars on the, on the line. Exactly. Uh, and, and if you think about it, you know, if that's what you're doing full time, you have to have that much capital uh, locked up. Right. Yeah. And if you're if, if, obviously the banks are not going to give you that many um, uh, loans or mortgages. You know, when you when you have that price point, you need to have enough down payment money unless you're JVing. Right. At that point, I was a new investor. Um, it's just not possible. Flipping is a volume game. I know I don't care what anybody says. You know, you're always looking for that home run, but you got to hit those base hits uh, to to be successful. So I don't mind the base hits, but uh, how do you how do you handle the antsiness? Because I know, like when I was doing deal after deal after deal, I would start to get antsy. I'm like, well, you know what? Like, this is still a lot of work, and I'm kind of you know, I kind of like some some variety in my life. Like, how do you manage that urge to just stick to your plan? Yeah, good question. I mean, uh, so first off, I never do any of the work myself. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. want that house if I'm working on it, that's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, each project is different. But you do you coordinate, know. right? Every yes. project has coordination work. That's what I was referring to. For it's sure. All, it's all the coordinating, For right? sure. You know, I mean, and, and you're dealing with people at the end of the day, right? So different people have different personalities and you get used to that and you know what, uh, which buttons to press and when, when you got to do that. So that keeps me on my toes for sure. Um, you know, I like that sort of stuff, you know, dealing with people. I realize that, you know, that's my forte. That's my superpower, superpower, if you will, right? It's just managing people and, and talking to people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, there's a lot of uh, stress behind it, you know, while the project is going on, while the house is listed, as you said, right? If it doesn't sell and it's staying, there, staying on the market for 
a month or even a few months, what do you do? Right. So um, I take each project different differently. You know, every one of them is my my baby, if you will. Um, I love certain things about certain projects. I don't like certain things about other projects. And that just keeps it interesting for me. So do you, do you use these as an opportunity to be creative? For sure. I think I, right now, so, um, you know, I'm relatively, I, I, I still want to say I'm relatively new to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for a couple of years. And uh, when I first started, of course, the temptation is to go all out, right? Uh, you see the HGTV programs and you see the st- sort mm-hmm. of stuff that they do. Uh, coming out from Oakville, you know, it's very, very nice houses with very, very nice finishes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of uh, custom-made stuff. Right. So you want to go and do all of that. But um, when you're flipping, that's I want to say it's not allowed. But, you know, if, if your cost base is um, is allowing for it, then by all means. Um, so I had to stop that. Really, I had to pull myself back after the first flip because I think I went all out in Detroit. You went all out. No. Well, in, in Oakville. Oh, in, in Oakville. Oakville right. Yeah, and yeah. I learned from my mistake to say that, OK, um, yeah. I, you know, clean, safe and dry. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm looking for. That's what most people are looking for in a house. Right. Uh, so I had to pull myself back, but I'm coming to that point now uh, where I know I have systems in place, right? I have processes in place that allows me to do a little bit different than than most people do. So I understand what the market wants in Detroit, and then I can do something a little bit more and above that. Now, what would be your typical house? Walk me through uh, what you see as a good deal to buy, yeah. what you have as a vision to do to it, and who you're trying to sell it to at the end. Yeah. Okay. So for sure, you know, your, your market research is the most important, um, uh, process or time you should spend definitely before you even make an offer in the house. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, like most of us do, you know, I, I really focus on submarkets. I don't go in Detroit as Detroit as a whole or Michigan as a whole. So there's certain pockets in the city that I will work in certain park pockets. I won't work, uh, work in right now. Yeah. Just explain that a little bit more submarkets. How do you mean? Like, yeah, what's like an example of a pocket? I mean, I guess you don't want to go on eight mile road. Is that the one that you're trying to avoid? <laughs> yeah. Well, close enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I work in uh, Bagley, for example, Bagley, Di- Bagley District. Why I like that is because you have these old Victorian brick homes, right? So one of the criteria for me is I won't touch it. I won't touch a home if it's a frame. Um, I just don't find the value in that. The resale is not um, not as uh, lucrative as a brick home. You mean um, like, so So brick home, mean brick walls and the joists are right into the brick. Correct. Like all the ceiling joists go right into the brick. So everything is supported by brick. You correct. still have wood frame walls on the interior. but Yes, okay. yes, yes. But then you have homes which are basically frame homes, right? So they're yeah, wood so stick frame, frame stick home. frame, and then you yeah. have vinyl siding or whatever. Yeah. So I, I don't find the value in that. Uh, the neighborhoods where I like to work and the prices that we talked about, the 150 plus, yeah. uh, usually you're looking at these brick homes, right? Um, but what really attracted me to, to the Bagley district, for example, is the days on market. So the average days on market um, uh, in that area is about 20 days. Which for the end, the end selling price exactly. Oh, for, I love for that. The end user, yeah, you're going down the exact rabbit hole. I want to go down. Okay, <laughs> uh, the days on market. Yeah, that's such an important statistic. Like I, I would think about that so much when I was doing a property. Yep. Is uh, how long do I expect to hold on to this? Because carrying costs, especially when you borrow private money, which I've done plenty of, yep. it costs so much money to carry a property for an extra month. So if the faster you can turn that over, and the more certain you are that you will. Is yeah. uh, is everything to me? Is is it that significant to you? It sounds like uh, for sure. You're alluding it, it. it for a flip for a flipper. That's the number one criteria, right? Yeah, it's where you buy and it's in the buy. That's where, that's where you make the money. It's not it's not the after the fact, right? So yeah, if you haven't done your research and you've not done it well enough, and I've made mistakes for sure, and I've learned the hard way, and that's why now I know. Um, where I invest in Detroit, you know, we're not talking about the whole city again. It's it's maybe two or three locations, and that's it. So if anything comes up in those locations, I'm getting that information first offhand, you know, and and it's my opportunity to lose. So uh, for sure, days on market is a big big factor in where I go. Um, um, you can get lower days on market, but then you might not get the value of the home, right? Or you might not get the the appreciation that you're looking for. So <clears throat> the forced appreciation that you're making. Sorry, but. Um, so I stay away from those markets as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I stay away from markets that I might get shot in. So, <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, you know, I don't want to be in those areas, right? Um, I, I figured out the niche. You know, when you're looking at the ARV of 150 plus, yeah. or even the purchase price of between 50 and 70, for me as a Canadian, I'm eliminating a lot of the local Detroit competition because okay. really, uh, I mean, you've heard about the five thousand dollar home you can buy in Detroit yeah. or the ten thousand dollar home, right? 
by all means, go and get those homes. I'm not playing in that market, right? You so, want the nice stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, right? So I'm eliminating the, the local competition. That's the first thing. And then I'm competing against other maybe out-of-state investors. And, and Who want to reno against you. So you're talking right. about competition, people who would also like to reno those properties. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you've, you've cut them out and it's more just you kind of having your pick in a yeah. little bit of competition. Yeah. Are you going like quartz counters and backsplashes and stainless steel? So when I started um, two years ago, well, at the end of 2017, I never had um, stone countertops, so I didn't okay. have to do it. Uh, I didn't put any appliances in any of the uh, any of the homes that I that I did that time because um, people would steal them out. <laughs> well, that too, that too. Uh, there's there's ways to get around that, but uh, um, no, but it, it was not required. The market was so hot in Detroit; it was reflective of i would say 2017 maybe here in, in canada right so you've Where, seen some serious growth in detroit then absolutely. like market prices absolutely. is it obvious to you what's happening and what's causing that oh yeah no for sure for sure uh detroit is still a very um automotive um, um dependent city for sure but now we're getting into the sub trades of the automotive industry right so it's not just manufacturing anymore so the big big three for example the headquarters in detroit focus mainly on the um autonomous vehicles not so much on manufacturing the you know the cars anymore, but a lot of R and D is going into okay. into those areas. So they're attracting a lot of tech. That's the big thing right now, right? And uh, they've got a lot of um, uh, government, not government, yeah, government grants and stuff like that to really redevelop the, the city after the two thousand and nine uh, crash. But mm -hmm. now going back to what I was saying is that uh, for sure, when I started off, I didn't have to put these things, and yeah. now it's the market is changing. You know where it's becoming a buyer's market. Um, almost so um i have to put in appliances that I okay. have to put so you're making them nicer do you do like sure. a, a virtual tour are you listing them with a realtor what's your selling process always with a realtor okay. always um i find that the realtors in detroit are not as sophisticated as uh what we have here back home eh? so the virtual tour is virtually unheard of <laughs> so it's <laughs> just no photos intended. it's photos uh yeah. even the even the videos are very very rare but so think to about the opportunity to stand out I you mean, the, for the for the people, especially because in in Detroit, 150 is is pretty damn expensive. So if that's where where you're selling, um, you're attracting the kind of higher echelon of, of of buyer who would probably appreciate a pretty elegant virtual tour if you did one. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, yeah. Yes and no. You know, 150 today in depending on which part of Detroit you're yeah. in, you know, is still a first time home buyer. Eh? Okay, so it still is. All right. Yeah. yeah. Is, is it different if you went out to like, uh, I'm thinking Auburn Hills, I've, I've been yes. out that way before. Yes, um, yes. So then you're getting in the, into the higher end market, right? So where you, you're buying 300, uh, 350, things like that. Yeah, and that's not uh, a market you're playing in? No, no. Okay. Uh, Auburn Hills is, you know, from where I am is about an hour drive. I like to stay really close to where I am so I can get to my job sites. You know, from my home in Windsor to my job sites is no more than 20 or 30 minutes. So Awesome. Yeah. I'm guessing you have Nexus. Um, I don't, you I don't. don't. Yeah. So for, I don't know if your, if your audience of anybody from the U S government is going to be listening to this, but, um, I was crossing over the border once and I, I asked, um, the immigration officer, um, I was like, Hey, how about this Nexus? Should I get one? Because I'm going across all the time. And he responded back to me. He's like, if you want the U S government to know exactly where you are and what you're doing, go for it. Yeah. And, I like, and, I like, and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, because you get this little card, this Nexus card, yeah. which is in your wallet. And apparently in uh, big box stores like so Home Depot or yeah. Walmart, they have these sensors that nobody knows about. Yeah. So they can actually track you and they know that you've been oh, to that yeah. Walmart and whatnot. Yeah, you're, you're being tracked anyway. I, I've come to come to the piece. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mentioned I go down rabbit holes. I've been down that one. Um, they already know exactly where you are. So don't don't fool yourself that that's changing anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, it put me off a little bit. So. Oh, no, I know. I, I felt like I was kind of selling my soul to get that card. Uh, they, yeah. they now have my... Uh, they, they, they take your iris scan and your fingerprints before they approve you. So uh, and then if you get declined, now they just have all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. yeah so, it, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons, but I will say it's nice to get across quickly. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, OK, sure. so you're were you in Windsor or did you move there? I moved there. So yeah. after the first flip uh, in Oakville, you know, where, um, uh, where where I realized quickly that's not sustainable for me. Um, and I ventured out to Detroit. The first flip we did there, I was commuting. Right, so I was going in for a couple of days and then coming back, and then I would go for a week and I would come back. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have I have two small kids at home at that time, and 
my wife was like, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. At the end of the flip, we made some money. And I was like, look, we made some money. This is the mm-hmm. place. This We got to go there, right? Um, or we got to continue this. And, and she was like, yep, for sure. You know, let's do it. But you're not commuting like this because we can't handle it, right? I said, yep, you're absolutely right. Let's move. <laughs> and that's and yeah. that's what we did. So uh, it's just a year now. So last year July, 2018, we moved to Windsor. Yeah, Windsor, Ontario. And how are you liking it so far? Um, from a business point of view, it's awesome. It yeah. is awesome, right? Because um, um, I, at that point, I was not even introduced. I would say to the to the bird strategy. You know, okay. I've been I've been just starting to uh, listen to podcasts and you know uh, go to all the meetup groups and things like this and uh, people talking about bird. And I was like, oh, okay, that's huh, you just thought they were cold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's this about, right? Uh, but once I learned it, or in theory, I said, wow, that makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. Prior to that, by mistake, I'd actually um, got into it myself because I bought um, a property in Hamilton. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I knew that buying and holding is is the way to go for oh, yeah. wealth creation, right? Uh, flipping is is a job at the end of the day. Flipping is a job, yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people lose sight of that. You're going to get taxed on it, like income. Uh, when yeah. you keep, you don't pay that tax until you sell it, which if you never sell it, Absolutely. Hey, that works out. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, when you first get into it, and this is for all the new time flippers who yeah. are listening to this, you know, you think that's a fast way to make money for sure. But you got to realize that the moment you stop flipping is the moment your income stops, right? Right. So you need to have a backup plan. And that's how I got into the, the birth strategy. Um, but I had a house in, in Hamilton, um, you know, that, that I was renting out and whatnot. And it was cash flowing, I think, 50 bucks a month. It was nothing, right? Uh, was that your first investment property? First investment property, yeah. And that was uh, what year? Uh, 2018. 2018. So, yep. oh, wow. You just put the pedal to the metal then on this. Uh. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Once I got into it, I go yeah. in all deep, right? So, so how uh, many properties are you at for, for keepers now? Um, I got five. Five. Yeah. Okay. So five keepers in Windsor. In Win- uh, Well, four in Windsor, one in Hamilton. So the one in Hamilton, you've got that. And are you focused on student rentals or family rentals in Windsor? So um, family rentals that I'm converting into duplexes. So I'm doing the legal conversion process there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in, in the middle of one right now. I had bought a couple that were already uh, legal duplexed, uh, legally duplexed, um, and then um, one which was illegal. Um, I bought it with the intention of legalizing it, but I rented the thing out in like a week. So I was like, okay. <laughs> well, wait till what? they I'll shut me down. Wait. Yeah, I'll just wait now. <laughs> if if so. that was your plan, you might as well just wait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, um, you know it's coming and it was in your plan, but you can wait. Yeah. I mean, the cash flow yeah. numbers are just ridiculous. You know, I've so. heard that and it almost makes it seem like, oh man, I would I would go to Windsor. It's just the commute. Like I've done that drive. Yeah. And my God, I don't... I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, it's it's not too bad, eh? Three hours? It's not too bad. I suppose you got my podcast to kill. I actually heard I heard you as you pulled up listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That that's helps. It. Two two episodes and you're there. So you know, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. where I catch up. So so I guess I better get get on it if you're going to be commuting a lot. So that you have you have more to listen to. <laughs> hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and pause the podcast real quick and ask you to do a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind, please take a moment and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're on YouTube, please also hit the uh, like and notification bell and uh, if you're listening on apple podcasts or itunes or what have you uh, i'd really appreciate it if you take a moment and review the podcast rate and review it helps more people to find it these podcasts are a lot of work for me but i do love doing them and i just want to get them into as many people's hands as i can and i would really appreciate your help in doing so back to the podcast it sounds like you've made a, a ton of progress really quick are these jvs or are these uh, are these uh, done on your own before I even understood uh, the complications and the, uh, the the hardships of a JV, I was mm-hmm. in JVs already because I just had family and friends, right, who knew what I was starting to do. And real estate investing is sexy, right, for a person mm-hmm. who just has a job. And I'm going to Detroit, which has this fear factor as well, which makes it yes. even more sexier. So, you know, I had a lot of support, I would say, from that point of view uh, through family and friends. And when, when I tapped out on that, I started actually looking for JV partners and I'm being blessed so far that I've I found some. So to answer your question, yes, all of the all of the buy and holds are through JVs. Um, yeah. All of my Detroit flips now are through JVs. Yes. Is it a roughly a 50-50 split on your profit that yeah. you're, you're yeah. doing? Yeah. Okay. And are, you're putting up none of the money for anything you're doing? No. And no. you're not going on any mortgages, I'm assuming? Um, for the first um, for the first couple of JVs on the buy and holds in Windsor, I was on the mortgage. Okay. Um, but of course, you know, you get tapped out and then uh, you got to find yeah. something else. So. 
Yeah, putting your own your own money in as an active real estate investor go gets old really fast. Yeah, as a passive real estate investor, what else do you got? You know, let's your your work is your money, and uh, yeah, you just got to decide which side of that you want to be on. So sure. that's interesting. Um, I do want to dig more into Detroit before we get focused on on uh, Windsor because I think that uh, Detroit is this. Um, very complex uh, beast to a lot of people when they think about it. And I don't think it necessarily needs to be. I love the idea of investing on the other side of the border because the dollars go further and the risk exposure on a per deal basis in my mind is lower. Absolutely. And I for, for how much profit I can make compared to how much risk I can take or I will take, I'm always evaluating that because you know, it's a real factor in investing and eventually you will get burned on a deal. So you want to make sure yeah. that's mitigated, right? Yeah. Um, even if it's, you know, it's just a little small thing. So uh, what was it that drew you to Windsor? Who who gave you the idea or what gave you the idea? Well, Windsor was just a, a, a byproduct of Detroit, really, right? Because of the commute. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, so I meant, yeah. So to Detroit. Yeah. So Windsor was the byproduct. So what drew you to Detroit? Um, so when I first started off, I... Um, I went to one of those courses, right? So um, in, in Toronto, you had that, um, the Wealth Expo. Okay. Where the, um, um, Tony Robbins, I think, was the, was the uh, keynote speaker of that one. I remember getting emails for that one. Yeah, yeah. So I actually went for that. And, and when the guy with the red shoes came up on stage and said, we're going to teach you how to flip in your market for $1,000 in this one-day course, you know, I signed up for that. Mm-hmm. And then after the end of the one day, they said, hey, listen, this is just the beginning. You know, the real the real gold is in the in the week program, and that's $25,000. But today and today only, it it's for 15 is. grand. you know. I signed up for that thing. Oh, so, my God. Good yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how I started in flipping, really, right? So that's all I knew because that course was, was, was 100% flipping. They didn't teach you anything about <laughs> Uh, uh, buy and hold or any other strategy and you know there's so many strategies out there um so uh along with that co- along with that course i had a coach right okay. so um he pretty much walked me through the first deal that i did in oakville um and when we go through the numbers you know um at the end of it i was i was demotivated really i wanted to quit so i put in you know 15 grand for this course 16 if you count that one day um, yeah. that i went for you know, I put in a lot, a lot of money to this first flip. Um, I sold my house at that point because I wanted to do this flip, right? And okay. I lost money at the end of it. I was like, I can't do this, right? So I had a, I had a discussion with my wife, and and she was like, Yeah, well, you tried, great, and let's you know, let's carry on, let's go back to get, getting a job or going back to work. And I spoke to my coach, and I was like, Listen, I can't do this. This this is not sustainable, not in the market that I'm in, at least, right? And he mm-hmm. pushed me. He's the one who said, Go and find a cheaper market. Right, go and find something that you can get in lower um, entry barrier and lower risk, and that's when I started venturing out. You know, I started yeah. looking at Hamilton, which was still you know still you're talking expensive. about like four hundred fifty, five hundred thousand dollars. You're not buying that by cash. You got to get a yeah. mortgage, you know, and you got to hold this mortgage. You do one flip at a time. It didn't really work. That's when I looked at Buffalo, you know, and I got a little bit worried um, with the um, uh, with the age of the homes, and I didn't really know what I was doing at that point, and. And one thing he told me, which I still uh, preach today, was um, go for the meetups. You know, go to these places and just join the meetups, yeah. meetup groups. You know, meetup.com and find out the real estate investing network there. Go and talk to the people. Don't talk to the people who are sitting in the crowd. Go and talk to the people who are speaking on the stage. Right. That's the one thing. He, one tip he gave me, and that's what I did. So before I even bought in Detroit. I went out there and I um, I think for three months, I went to every single meetup that I could find. In Detroit? In Detroit. So I, I commuted just for that one day. I would spend the night, I would go for the meetup. If they were close, like back to back in the same week, which is awesome, you know, I could, I could hit stay. two or three yeah. at the same time. Um, surprisingly, surprisingly, there's a lot of meetups eh, in the States. Really? So, so would it be the same in Buffalo, do you think? Um, so I, went, I just went for the one in Buffalo. Okay. Um, maybe I could have done more, uh, but I'm sure there are, uh, yeah. the U S you know, when it comes to investing in real estate, flipping or whatnot, what, whatever it might be, I find that the network is huge. Um, I guess because the population is so big anyways. Right. But, yeah. um, there's a lot of meetups. There's a lot of knowledge out there. Right. And that's what I did. So for three months, I, I think I must've hit, uh, nine or 10 different meetups, um, consecutively back to back. I saw who the players were because they were coming out of the same meetups, even though it was hosted by a different party, you know, and I just approached one of those guys and I said, listen, I'm Canadian, you know, I got money. Uh, I want to, I want to try to do something over here. And he's like, great. You know, what do you want to, what, what you can do is come and stay with me for three days, right? Uh, in Detroit and I'll take you in my truck 
and we'll just go wherever I go for the day, for three days, and you can see at the end of it if you like it or not. Luckily enough, this guy is a wholesaler. He's a flipper. He's a, a, a landlord, you know, and he has a property management company that he manages for other people as well. So I saw everything um, hands-on. It was really like on-the-job training, which was the greatest thing I, that I've ever been through, right? Uh, that sounds like a pretty sweet little uh, thing oh, yeah. you stumbled upon. But I yeah. mean, you, you, you were relentless in your search, correct? Absolutely. I think, you know, the mindset was there. So my mindset was like, I'm going to make this happen, right? Because I, I spent all this money now and I can't walk away without at least breaking even on this thing, right? So I got to try something new. And what is it yeah. for me to drive to Detroit? You know, a few hours, fine. Um, I'll stay there for a couple of days and see what happens, right? So the first um, uh, property that I ever bought in Detroit was through this guy, Todd Sean. Big up to Todd Sean if he's listening to this. So, uh, okay. you know, he helped me get started really. And uh, and yeah, the rest is history. So well, it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense why he would help you because uh, I mean you're going to be a customer for him now. I think Pretty that um, what an incredible business model for him to to be willing to do such a thing. I mean, he must have seen something in you uh, to to know that you'd be back and and you'd be you'd make it worth his while. Oh yeah, I bought. I think I bought uh, three other homes from him. Um, he's come out to. Uh, my meetup in Windsor now, and he, I, I believe he's got more clients from that as well. So you, you know, got a meetup in Windsor? Yeah, yeah. Part of me would really enjoy being down there. I mean, it's pretty far from my family here, uh, being down there, and I don't think my wife would uh, would agree to move to Windsor, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that would be amazing. I mean, just how far your dollar can go. I mean, as far as a lifestyle, it's it's, it's quite a bit more affordable. And now you're kind of doing the perfect arbitrage where you're earning in U.S. dollars and spending in Canadian, which yes um, that is a, a wonderful place to be yeah well not if donald trump can have anything to do with it right so we'll see how it goes in the next year or so yeah what happens there so yeah what's your concern with that well if if, if there's a recession and i'm sure there will be you know it's the u.s at least is due for one um the the value of the dollar will probably drop a little bit so well then you can just take your canadian dollars and go buy more stuff in the u.s yeah, absolutely there you go <laughs> then everything you just know. got a lot cheaper to buy <laughs> yeah, so i yeah, mean yeah. there's there's a win yeah there's always two two sides to the coin right the yeah. ways to look at it tell me a little bit about some of the hurdles to starting up your business in the states and i'm assuming you did have to start a corporation yes in the states yes uh get american bank accounts as i've been through that process this obviously is not accounting advice and, and everyone has their own unique scenario, but do you mind just sharing a little bit about your structure and and, and then, yeah. of course, some of the hurdles as well that you you went through? Yeah, the biggest hurdle is cost. <laughs> it costs a lot of money, at least for me, uh, to set up the structure, right? To do it right the first time. The lawyers, uh, this is where they make the money, I guess. Uh, but uh, touch wood, like after that, I feel that it works smoothly. So yeah. what, what kind of setup costs like for the incorporating <laughs> all the resolutions, all that stuff that included, I would say yeah. that's, you know, that's the normal cost, but to, to get a map of the whole structure of the legal structure, whether it be holding companies versus um, uh, limited partnerships, yeah. LLCs and how you funnel the money um, yeah. uh, cross border, right? Making sure that the IRS and the CRE are happy yeah. on both sides. That's the part yeah. that I don't like. So I, I yeah. had, when I was doing the buy and holds, I had an LP, which owned the uh, property. And then yeah. I had an LLC, which didn't get any of the profits, but it was like a 0.1% owner right. uh, in, the, in the general partner for risk on the yeah. LP. Yeah. And then, so the money, the LP could just pay the money back to me as if it was like a sole proprietorship. So like, you know, it was like personal income tax rate. Yeah. I'm assuming with flipping, maybe you don't want to do it that way or um, is it different in fact i have actually very similar setup to that mm -hmm. um the only difference is that basically um right from the start i wanted to uh, make sure that all my income is reported here in canada so what uh, what i do is is the money from the lp goes up to the gp uh general partner in this case and then the general partner is actually owned by my canadian corp um okay, okay. yeah so there's a there's a management agreement between the two companies there um, well, there's, there's multiple purposes for that, right? So the first thing is that, okay, I can actually move the money from the U.S. to the to Canada using this management agreement, uh, leaving behind, I think in my case, it's 5% of the profits. Is that like a withholding, uh, American withholding? or yeah. So that way you don't pay tax in the States and you don't pay tax in Canada. Well, there's supposed to be a tax treaty, like the whole, right. you know, when you go sit down with the accountant, you're, you're trying to figure out how do I effectively use the tax treaty so I'm not taxed twice in the same income. Correct. Um, in my case, um, uh, I had to do this way is because this is my full-time business. So, um, at this point, you know, when you have to apply for a business visa, you have to show, 
uh, the fact that you are running a business there and why you as an individual have to be there, right? Oh. Um, so uh, my general partner, uh, my general partnership is owned by my Canadian company for this reason. So I'm bringing expertise that you can't find locally or my company can't find locally um, in Detroit, Michigan um, to do the work that I do. So, yeah, but you're not doing uh, physical hands-on work. You're just doing the coordination, which I think they shouldn't have a problem with. Well, yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> talk to talk to ICE, right? So uh, the moment you start generating revenue. Yeah, because you're actually working in the States, which I know they're not super keen on. No. Yeah, not. it's one thing if you own properties there that you let, you know, you manage from afar. Correct. But another thing when you're there every day. Correct. So um, I limit the, the amount of times that I can actually, that I do cross the border. And once my application for the, for the business visas in it's even it's even less so because you know then they there's they can see everything in the system right as you said they know exactly what you're doing over there so you don't want to raise red flags unnecessary so at this point actually uh going back to systems and processes i actually have a project manager so i communicate everything through whatsapp you know video yep. calls photos uh, live chat or whatever it is. Um, there's, the technology today is just awesome, right? So this, you can actually do the work without actually being there. So, yeah, that's more my style. Like I'm honestly not a site guy. I mean, I've been there, done that, um, kind of over that because of the amount of stress and 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 just like running around just felt like it was draining me. And um, I know you're still early in this, but uh, when I was doing it for for several years, it really just got to a point where I I was not enjoying that part of the process. So I've hired and I've used effectively, um, I've used um, site supervisors and, and things like that, and I've had them hired through my company. And you just have to do more volume to justify it, right? Once you're when you're doing stuff like that, you just got to do more volume. Absolutely. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna do this full time and you wanna get serious about it, then mm-hmm. you know that that's the only way. It's like it's like JVing again, right? Yeah. So you know, at one point you you run out of capital, you have to find a partner. In the same in the same sense, you know, if you're doing ten flips a year, and I'm not by any means saying that's big, right? But if I want to grow yeah. that, uh, I can't be in ten places at the same time. So, so how many how many flips have you done today, including the ones that are in process? Twenty eighteen, I just did three flips in, okay. uh, in Detroit. Um, this, so I'm on my seventh flip this year. Okay, so you've done process. ten, and you're on pace for ten this year. So yeah. that would put you at thirteen by the end of the year. Yeah, something like that. Plus, yeah. you've got your five uh, rental properties. Yeah. four of which happened in the last year yeah pretty so much. <laughs> uh so what will that that puts you at 14 uh deals in the last uh 12 months or so something like that yeah that is aggressive and that is awesome i, I like to hear stuff like that thank you i i, I still i still feel that it's not enough <laughs> i hear guys doing you know 30 flips a year i mean sean allen, sean allen. Know, yeah I was like, you're gonna say sean allen <laughs> yeah. uh, i was actually talking to uh, stefan uh, arnio at okay. one, of the, one of the meetups and he's like 10 flips i was like yeah you know, he's like, you should be doing 30 at least. And I was like, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> at this point, I'm good. There is a there is a, a working up to it um, involved there. So yeah, yeah. Um, on that topic, I know Stefan is a coach for, for many people. Uh, what uh, you don't have to share the name, but where did you find your coach? Which one? <laughs> well, you'd mentioned the one that you you had met. Uh, oh, the, when I first started yeah. when I first started. Um, so they were part of that, that program um, through the um, Wealth Expo. I think the guys originally were flipping Boston, so it was a U.S.-based uh, okay. um, company, um, you know, and uh, and I just got the coach through that program. So that coach was based in the U.S. Okay, um, but you know what? I, I've heard a lot about this. I mean, you have the experience as well uh, of of uh, investing in the U.S. You know, and they say, oh, it's it's everything's U.S. It's not really Canadian. It doesn't apply to us. Mm-hmm. I don't really find that that's the case. You know. Uh, investing is investing, right? So there might be some nuances sure. that that make a difference, but you the, can do it. the fundamentals are the same. The, yeah. the rules are, are slightly word, worded different in most cases, and usually the same, but they're just a slightly different process. Yeah. So not to to minimize our conversation about working as a Canadian in the states, because I think that that's important, and that's a probably a pretty big concern for a lot of people who who would even think about this. They'd think, "Wow, that's a hassle." I think that because I dealt with it, and I wasn't active in the states. I was managing from afar would do you think there is a way that you could do this and you didn't need the business visa like if you hired somebody down there and you basically technically owned a company that was operating in the states would you be able to avoid it in that case absolutely so since since i've actually hired this project manager which was uh close to being a month ago i've not actually visited so i haven't crossed the border in a month because perfect yeah and and that's the perfect scenario right 
Um, now, when it comes to, so that project, in my situation, that project manager so far has just been on the active projects. Yeah. Um, now, when there's a new deal that comes in, or potential new deal, looking at, you know, through my eyes, we'll have to test that out. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I think that makes total sense. I would still go see any property I bought until I get somebody down there that I trust enough. And if I trusted that person enough, I would buy sight unseen. And I've done that with relationships of people who I've trusted. Yeah. That's and awesome. Yeah, I've made a mistake there. I've trusted the wrong person, but you know what? Having that trust for people has allowed me to grow. You know what? And and you know yeah. what? I mean, I think you said it. You got to go through the numbers, right? So it's yeah. like contractors. You're not gonna hit that home run contractor right from the start. Yeah. And even if you do, ch- chances are that that person's not gonna stay with you forever anyway. So no. you know, you got to go through the numbers. So it's it's similar yeah. to everything else. Yeah, definitely trial and error. I think vo- volume speaks very loudly to to contractors if you're doing volume of work and you're, yeah. you're giving them consistent work you make their life easier because i know from a contractor standpoint because i've done selling to people and i've i've quoted jobs to people on different things through my many entrepreneurial endeavors and i know how annoying it is when people don't go with you or they shop you for price or anything like that so if you have somebody who you just have an agreement hey you keep your price the same and you can keep working for me like that that's been my agreement with with guys and i i try and say and you know especially starting out you know what, as long as you don't change your pricing on me, I don't have to tender you out. I don't have to go get multiple quotes. I'll just stick with you. That will keep it real easy. The second that the price starts changing, then, you know, now I have to start looking elsewhere. And and that's allowed me to grow, um, you know, when I was doing a lot in London, things just got so much easier. As I scaled, it got so much easier because everybody just wanted the business. Yeah. You know, setting processes and systems in place. I mean, you hear a lot about it in any podcast you know any coaching session whatever and when i first started i was like what the hell are you talking about right it's it's more this is more important like the personal touch the personal conversation is Mm -hmm. more important but the more i look at it now as i'm growing uh, you know once the process is in place there's no question anymore the guy knows exactly which um bathroom fixtures that i like right so he doesn't ask me anymore he just goes buys it from home Mm -hmm. depot right and we do a phone sale stuff like that you know or the tile that we use or the way we want to lay the tile on the floor and so on and so forth so when eventually you can give um i have like employees my employee has a credit card because i got really tired of reimbursing his yeah (laughs) so i I, he has a credit card with a i think i I gave him a 1500 limit if i have to give get him to buy something bigger than that I'll basically tell him when you're at the store, you know, yeah. just call me and then I'll real time. I'll just go on my phone and transfer the money. You know, it's 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 just a hedge. It's not that I think he would do anything with it. But, you know, I just like to to mitigate that. And then as trust grows, you know, you, you can kind of extend uh, I, extend I, that further. I, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel for Detroit, though. <laughs> <laughs> you don't trust them with a credit card? Yeah, you just limit it. You just limit it. Only give them a thousand limit or give yeah. them, you know, I had another employee who, who did abuse it and he actually mm-hmm. like literally did eight ATM cash withdrawals with a credit card. I gave Holy him. smokes. Um, I took it off of his pay and, and you know, he uh, he ended up being laid off shortly thereafter. So, yeah. it, you know, it didn't hurt and he paid for all the interest and fees associated with it. But, um, you know, it is a risk you take, but I think it's a risk that's worth taking for growth yeah. as long as you're smart about it in my opinion uh one thing i do like about the states is that um you know most vendors not just the big box stores but most vendors will do phone sales so you know my co- credit card over the phone yeah that's yeah, beautiful yeah. yeah so most of the time my, my contractors at the site you know they pick whatever they got to pick and uh mm. we do a phone sale i get a receipt i get the i get the actual invoice of what they bought so i, I can go and see you know they're yeah. not buying tools they're buying you know materials that they're actually using so right and i i'm sure you can probably even put your credit card on file so that Yep. You don't have to call yep. and you just, you, maybe you, you kind of got to authorize what you're going to authorize. But uh, yep. yeah, I guess I see your concern and I don't blame you for being careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> In yeah. Detroit, I don't blame you. I, I, well, I, I've told the story of investing in Youngstown, Ohio and, and stuff that I had happen. I just told it on the last podcast, actually, that I, so my property manager basically took my money. I gave him 10,000 cash at one point, which he just took. And uh, he was basically collecting my rent income. He maybe did like, I don't know, a couple thousand in rentals. And uh, I never got proper invoices for it. He sent me a, a, an acknowledgement that he took my money, right. but that was it. And um, took my, he started collecting my rent, got a tenant in there, never remitted the rent to me, oh, never wow. did anything. And then eventually the yeah. tenant destroyed the place and left. Oh, he geez. didn't even know. Water flooded the whole place. It like oh, yeah. moisture spread. Fan blades were literally sagging. They they actually are. They were wooden fan blades, and there was so much moisture that they actually started sagging. Holy smokes! It was like mold up the walls, <laughs> and it was literally a scenario. I had a, a discussion with the same property manager. He's like, "Yeah, it's gonna be pretty expensive to fix. In fact, you know, even if you wanted somebody to take that, you might have to pay them." 
I'd have to pay to get rid of it. Holy smokes. Like basically yeah. pay to either have it demolished and all the debris taken away, you know, 10, 15 grand. Yeah, or uh, clearly this guy yeah you clear know, off the site yeah he's trying to pull bull i was uh, i was fortunate enough that that i actually could just give the property away i ended up i ended up working that out but uh yeah. i say fortunate uh so i have you know i have made mistakes and bad bad decisions and and this is why being careful and having good mentors which it seems like you did you know you got yourself around a wholesaler you got yourself around people that were winning in that business specifically and i yeah. can't stress how important that is enough like how that's been important to me in my successes is that I was literally pretty much copying people to a T and then just eventually innovating it a little bit. As I got better with it, I'd start, you know, changing the model up a bit, but little bite-sized changes. No, for sure. I want to add to that. That's probably a house I would buy in Detroit. Eh? <laughs> the moldy, the moldy. Yeah, so for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to what you said about mentors, I think, um, you know, I paid that fifteen, sixteen thousand $16,000 course or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, two years down the road, I, 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 I can openly say that I didn't learn anything from that course that I haven't heard from either a podcast or a networking group or a meetup yeah. that I've been to. Right, just talking to other investors who are doing it, who are actually <clears throat> in the in the field doing things, right? Um, and not to say that those those courses are not important. For sure, training self development is important. But yeah. you know, for the for the newbie investor, um, there's so much free stuff out there. There's no excuse, right? And that's yeah. why <clears throat> I may be in Windsor, uh, but I come out to all the meetups that I can possibly. It's the best can, thing you can right? do. It's, it's the best thing yeah. you can do. Like, think about it. I, I can't tell you how many inquiries I get from people who like, oh, I'd love to buy a coffee or I'd like to do this. I'm like, you need to get out to the meetup. You don't understand how many people ask me for that. I just can't do that for yeah. everybody who asks. Yeah. Um, you know, but when they come out to the meetup, okay, eventually I start to know these people and I actually start to feel like they're part of my family. Like, like I know you, oh, how's Scott doing? You know, I've had multiple of them on the podcast because I've learned a bit about them. And I'm like, you got a good story. Let's get you on the podcast and let's, you know, let's hear it. And and these people through constant listening to the podcast, they learn what I know. And I'm not saying I know everything, but they also learn everything that all my guests are, are saying. And they start to hear it over and over again in a slightly different way. And that's yeah. how it sinks in, right? You've heard the same thing over and over again. You've engaged and then you go to the meetups and you start rehashing what you've learned with other investors. Oh, I heard this on the podcast. I heard this on, you know, from another investor. Yeah. What do you think of that? And then you start analyzing these things in your head. And before you know it, it feels like it's your own knowledge. It feels like you're ready to implement it. Um, I, I, nothing happens in a, in a split second. It doesn't happen. No. Like you can't just snap your fingers and know everything. You got to just admit that you don't know anything or don't know everything. And, uh, which I've had to do many times in my life and, and just submit and, and go learn it, do what you need to do. You know, sometimes you make up, up with it with sweat, you know, with, with struggle. And I've told the stories of how I used to like sleep in the houses I was renovating on a stack of drywall oh, yeah. <laughs> when there wasn't even like vapor barrier. And I had, I'd wake up with the morning dew on my face. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it, man. Yeah. That was that's what got you to where you, you, you are right now. Yeah. So, you know, I so. got, I, I got two showers in the work week. <laughs> I got to go home twice. And those are my showers. Uh, my, uh, my wife, girlfriend at the time, um, I told her, I'm like, don't come near me. I'm going to the shower. <laughs> That's the way to do it, man. But it's a yeah. good story. But, you know, going through and struggling and, and, and arguing with contractors on the front lawn and, and, and feeling the pain of dealing with bad people to know how to recognize a good one is yeah. so invaluable. That's a university yeah. tuition right there. So, here, here's, a, here's a story that you might uh, pick a lesson from. Uh, so it was my, I think it was my fourth uh, flip in Detroit. Yeah. And um, at that point, I was actively looking for JV partners. So I do this I do this thing, um, you know, uh, I try to pay it forward from, from what I got from Todd, where he took me out in his truck for three yeah. days and showed me the city and whatnot. I do that for Canadians, right? So anybody who wants to see Detroit, I say, come over, stay my place in Windsor, you know, uh, for the weekend and I'll take you to Detroit and I'll show you the sites and I'll show you the areas that I like to invest in and so on and so forth. So, cause I'm actively looking for JV partners, right? Um, gotta be honest about that. So I had this one investor um, who said he was interested in doing that. Um, and he came out on a Saturday morning. So I was at the job site. Um, he said, I'm going to meet you in Detroit. I'm in, I'm in the area anyway, so I'll just come to the job site. I said, cool. You know, he comes up. I, I, at that point, I had only spoken to him on the phone. I, I, I haven't met the guy. You mm -hmm. know, and he came out with his family, and he pulls up in a Tesla, right, <laughs> in, in Detroit. And it's the, um, what is it? I don't even know the model. The Model X? Uh, or the Model 3? The, the four-wheel drive? Is, is the X? Oh, is, that, is it? 
Is that oh they're all four wheel? Um, um, but no, the, X, the, the or, SUV type. Oh, that's the X. That's yeah, the sorry, X. I was thinking the Model S, but yeah, Model X is the SUV. Yeah. Right. So the Model yeah. X, right? And I was like, oh my god, I could see this coming from the you know down the street, right? I was like, don't pull up to this house in this in this car, right? And sure enough, this is the guy. And we're like, oh hey, how's it going? Da, da, da. And he opens the doors, and all obviously you know yeah. it, it, it wings up like this. And my contractor from the inside is like, unk, unk, you know, and. Uncle is his uncle, basically. So he, uncle is the painter. You got to come and see this. So he peeps out the window. He's like, oh my God, that's not a car. That's a plane. <laughs> it's got, they've never seen yeah. a, they've never seen a Model X before, right? Oh man. Anyway, so we do the tour of the house and whatnot and so on and so forth. Everybody's coming downstairs. Like the whole neighborhood is checking out this car, right? While all of this stuff is going on. I'm like, uh, two things are going to happen. One, my rates are going to go up <laughs> as, as soon as this guy leaves. Two, this house is going to get robbed, right? <laughs> because now mm. everybody knows there's some money in here and sure enough as soon as we drive off the next day my, my contractor sends me a message you know i didn't really invoice you for the lights that i put in in the other place now this guy's been working with me for the last four houses yeah. he never charged me for that sort of stuff right so all of a sudden i got a, 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 a extra bill for like i think it was a grand or something like that and it's like yeah yeah i'm not i'm not ever bringing my investors to the site again in their cars right i'm just gonna drive them up there in my rickety old car <laughs> yeah that's a sticky sticky topic i bought a used audi and it was like 20 grand it mm-hmm. looks nice and uh you know but it's a used car and i you know meanwhile my my uh guy that works for me had at the time had like a forty thousand, forty four thousand dollar truck he was driving in he's like oh look at that fancy car i'm like yeah it cost half what yours did yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh the entitlement thing uh, and the people getting really comfortable is a real thing and i try not to let it get me angry uh, because it it is them sort of taking advantage or seeing an inch and taking a mile like saying oh well yeah i can i could bill you a bit more it turns out i don't need to give you such a great deal uh i think it is absolutely necessary to be vigilant on people if they change their prices even a dime um you can you can be reasonable but you ask almost every time Unless it's a reasonable increase that you understand. You're like, okay, well, things have changed. Yeah. Or, But uh, I think it's very important to be in tune with the market and what would I pay elsewhere. But maybe also have a second car. I have um, <laughs> a beat-up 1998 yeah. Dodge Ram. And uh, just a, a couple of times I took it over to a tenant's house uh, because I did not want... Um, I did not want an instance where where they would see my car and think that, you know... Oh well, this guy is just a a rich beephole, and uh, you know, basically think different things, act differently, and it would maybe cause problems. I know it's a sad and unfortunate reality, but yeah. I do think it is a reality for some, not for all, but for some. No, for sure. I mean, yeah. across the border, if you're looking in, you know, um, cities like Detroit that has been through rough times, we got to call that a spade a spade, right? And then they're coming out of that for sure. Uh, when you see these these nice cars, so I, I'm very vigilant of what I wear when I go there, right? So yeah. I'm not wearing jewelry, for example, or I'm not driving. I have two cars as well, you know. I have, um, you know, a beautiful your Detroit car, car. yeah, my Detroit <laughs> car, and my Canadian car, right? <laughs> That's exactly it, right? Yeah. So you know, people people tell me like, how do you go there? It's crazy, you know. You don't want to go to a certain street and get shot and whatnot. There's simple rules that you follow, right? Like, just don't any, stand out. <laughs> yeah. If you don't stand out, you'll be absolutely. Fine. Or you don't, you know, um, fill gas in the city because you just attract attention no matter who you are because there's bums everywhere. So in the city, like downtown core, never fill gas because you pull up, there's going to be somebody coming up to you and talking to you and trying to, you know, find out what you're doing and whatnot. And you just don't want to have that kind of attention, right? Yeah, that's a good lesson. I've stopped for gas in the Detroit area and acknowledged the bulletproof glass on the door and then they wouldn't open it. And I'm like, I don't feel particularly safe here yeah yeah no for sure yeah don't don't fill gas in the city in the downtown downtown core don't go to any uh kind of um um what we call like a handy mart or something like that you know even if you got to pick up gum or something like that not in the no convenience core, stores no convenience stores you know no just in the core stores. so if you can get out of the core um yep and i you know i'm not that familiar with detroit to know what you know what you consider core or not i mean you got but what about where the comerica park and and like where the lions play nope, and all I that do it. don't do it down there i wouldn't do it no, unless there's a game going on and there's a lot of people around, then that's fine. Yeah, but, that'd you know, be the only to... time I'd be down there personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For yeah. sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. So s- simple stuff like that, right? So don't stand out. I think that's that's uh, the 
the right thing or the don't right way to say Don't stand out. That. Yes, I can I can definitely uh, say that 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 makes a ton of sense to me. And um, I'm going to keep that red pickup truck. <laughs> 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 yep. It looks really crappy and rusty and it's perfect. <laughs> I would love to just kind of stay focused on the American element here because honestly, I've had some American guests and I, I truly do state and feel that this is an international podcast. So the Detroit conversation, I think that's probably going to resonate with a lot of people. But for Canadians wanting to go down there, um, even if it wasn't Detroit, like what would you recommend? You know, people thinking about Buffalo, for instance, because that's also quite close to us. Those are probably two of the worst markets in the U.S. You know, from a from a, an overall looking, um, you know, in terms of reputation. Not that they're bad, but yeah. they probably have a bit of a stigma with them. Yeah, worst markets to live in, probably, but you know, good markets to invest in. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But not, not not bad if you know how to live there. I'm sure people who oh, live yeah. there like know they know yeah. where to go, where not to go, and yeah. and they're fine. No, there's some there's some places in Detroit, like even in the core, they're multi million dollar homes. Okay? So you know, um, again, it's where you are, right? And um, uh, unfortunately, uh, the whole city is not picked up yet. But you know, so you could go from street to street and from a ghetto to you know a, a really nice neighborhood. Unfortunately, but. Uh, it's getting there. It's picking up. But uh, to answer your question, you know, what, what, how to get people started? I mean, again, that advice that, you know, that coach gave me is probably the best thing that I could give everybody else. Go for meetup groups. You know, Every find, meetup, yeah. Get, find a meetup. Go and talk to the people who go to the meetup. Like, as soon as you see familiar faces, you know, um, you know, those are the players in the market, right? Uh, so, you know, those are the guys who yeah. you're talking to. You don't want to hang around with tire kickers or whatnot or people who are just starting off. Mm-hmm. Not to say that, you know, you won't get information from them. For sure you will. But if you want to take some action, then definitely talk to the people who are actually doing things, right? So, uh, go to every single meetup that you possibly can, you know, find out about the market, find out about the sub-markets, you know, because again, if I say, if I take Detroit, you can buy that $5,000 home or you can buy the, you know, $150,000 home, right? Yeah. Where do you want to play in, right? How much money do you have? Uh, drive the streets, you know, uh, try and link up with somebody like I did, you know, who can show you around, uh, meet the different realtors um, who are who are real estate investor friendly. Do they know. come to the meetups? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's probably a good place to start to meet all those contacts because oh, they yeah. know, right? If they're good with investments, investing, they're going to be there. Yeah. You, is your realtor an investor as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I like that. I know there's a there's you know two sides to that coin, but uh, I yeah. do like having an investor or realtor. Yeah. So I, I must I must admit that um, I work with many realtors. So on the buy side, definitely the ones who are investors themselves because they know what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But on the sale side, I actually go with retail. Um, yeah, it's a different different game. Yeah, because yeah. they you know they're they're targeting you know the home buyer right. Yeah. They're not, they don't have that investor mindset, so they're looking for top dollar at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, and what sells, so that that helps me create the product that I'm that I'm trying to sell. Um, all my contractors, for example, in Detroit, I found through meetups. Um, Are they general know. contractors, or do you do your own general contracting? No, I do the general contracting, but you yeah. know my my tradespeople, right? So trades people, you know, okay. the carpenters or the the roofers and the and the window people and so on and so forth. It's the right? way to do it, honestly. Yeah, it is. So I've never, I've never. I mean, I've tried, I've tried in the start to use like Craigslist, you know, the the equivalent of what we have, Kijiji or whatever. Disaster, absolute yep. disaster. You know, You're probably so, going to have. I mean, here it's a one in twenty success rate, so there I can imagine it's probably one in a hundred, oh, one yeah. in fifty. Yeah. And I, I'm probably being generous saying it's a one in 20 here. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. You got to run through the numbers for sure. But, you know, if, if you if that person has worked with uh, another investor, then they know that investing investing mindset. Right. So um, I love it. if you're if you're getting started, that's, yeah. that's the best place to go. I, I love that. And I honestly do think I know I said before, like, you know, you got to be careful. There are certain contractors that work for me that, you know, we sort of become friends and I want to share like I want to help. Hey, like you should buy a property, you know, absolutely. why not, man? Like, we're, you know, I love that reciprocal, you know, help others and and, and pay it forward. And, and, you know, if I I think that's why the meetups work really well. Like, have you found that when you go, people are an open book with you? Like, this is what I do. You know what, man? Like, honestly speaking, I. I until I started in the real estate investing journey, I was a very reserved person in the sense of, you know, I don't want to share because I, I'm very skeptical of mm-hmm. what that other person wants, right? Um, um, you know, I've got into MLM, for example, and it's mm-hmm. all about that, right? At least the feeling I get. Um, but once I got into real estate investing and started going out of the meetup groups, it's a completely different, it's a completely opposite effect, right? Yeah. I feel the energy in these rooms are just promoting you to do something and yes. do something for the better, Right. Yeah. I don't talk. I don't know if it's if it's my mindset or whatever. I truly believe in the law of attraction, for example. Yes. Um, but, you know, I see it in, in action in these meetups. 
that everybody mm. wants to help somebody, right? Yeah. Whether it be by sharing their story or, you know, solving a problem. Yeah, so I guess that's why you started your own uh, meetup in in uh, Windsor. Well, I should admit it's not my own meetup. Oh, I co-host. Yours? I co-host okay. um, the meetup um, over there. Um, it, it was started by Cassidy Lawson. You know, um, she's a realtor and um, investors friendly uh, realtor. She started a couple of years ago, and okay. then you know when I moved there, I just want to be more part of it. So yeah. All right. So you you gave me some some numbers here, yeah. which we didn't even go through numbers, and we're like. An hour in. So I'm going to go through these real quick. And honestly, just this is with pure gold. So, yep. uh, you know, I hope you don't mind. I like to keep sure. it uh, keep it fresh. So, uh, Sab gave me some numbers. So his Oakville flip, and I'm, I'm sure this this is for contrast. You did uh, 755,000 uh, uh, purchase price. You rehabbed for 141, which sounds Ouch. like a very <laughs> realistic number yeah. for a few years ago, maybe. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's more. But uh Sale price at at nine eighty five. So you actually uh, lost ninety five hundred dollars on that that deal. Is that right? I did. I yeah. did. So the, you, you kept your head up, though. You know what? And that's and that's a, a tip that I want to give anybody who's doing investing, right, mm-hmm. and flipping specifically. Don't let the one loss, you know, stop you, right? Because that almost that almost broke me, right? Yeah. Because the the ninety five hundred is not the is not the big number on that page there. It's the ten months. It took me oh, yeah, 10, 10 months, months, right, to yeah, do that flip. Yeah, my God. And I still lost money. That um, hurts. Oh, man, does that yeah. ever hurt? That's enough to, I just told the story on the last podcast, but I actually, I had something, you know, when that stuff went down in the US, plus I had some stuff go down here. Mm-hmm. It got me out of the game, more or less, for about two years. You there know, you just, it, I was just hurt. Dog with a tail between the legs, you know. Yeah. It took a while before I, I didn't, I still had real estate, but I wasn't actively trying to get more. Right. And uh, yeah, I do, you know, I had to get, get a good slap in the face basically to to realize hey what, Kudos to you. what was i doing just so continue yeah. man and that's and that's yeah. important right you got to keep going so we've both been burned and we we kept our heads up and had people around us that helped us probably Absolutely. Uh, i did a ton like people helped me you know friends that were just crushing it in real estate and i'm like what am i doing yeah <laughs> you're yeah. winning i'm just gonna do what you do from now on that's it um yeah. so in detroit you had purchase price seventy five thousand. these are all u.s u.s, US figures yeah. uh rehab cost was thirty thousand. sale price at 130 so after all said and done including realtor and carrying you mm-hmm. had twelve thousand profit yep was that split between your no partner? that was actually uh was one i did myself the first one i did myself. okay so yeah. first one you did yourself yeah, yeah so 12 grand for for three months of work uh 12 grand us so that's that's not bad you're you're uh making four thousand dollars a month us which goes further here yeah uh, no, for sure and that's that's really what sold me detroit right mm-hmm. so you know what you don't see there is that the second one i did i made 25 grand i think it was in yeah. four months and the third one we made 30 grand in you know six months and it just rolled from there. So, um, yeah, you got to learn and you got to take the baby steps for sure. And, you know, got to take the punches. But um, the, mm-hmm. the more you fall, the, you know, the faster you get up and, and you go at it again. Right. So, I, you know, one thing we didn't talk about that you know, I, I spent 15 years of my career in a corporate world. And um, my family, you know, once I started doing this, after the first day they asked me, they said, listen, if you had the chance to go back and do what you did before, you know, because I was making pretty good money um and with less stress i would say um I, I i told them no i would i would never ever exchange this for that again never right so what is it that's driving you uh i don't know i just love a deal man <laughs> <laughs> i just love the deal you know <laughs> so you just love the game the game and finding a deal and winning yeah for sure yeah. no i have goals i have goals yeah. for sure right i'm not gonna do this for the rest of my life but uh while i'm doing it i'm loving it so how long have you been full-time real estate investor? Um, just shy of two years. Just shy of two years. So you weren't that active though before, right? So in 2008, oh, I guess you started at the beginning of 2008 then? 2018. The beginning Sorry, of 2018. 2018 yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so you started roughly the beginning of 2018. You just went all in. You're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Quit my job. Um, no, at that time I had a different business. Um, oh, so, okay. Yeah. So the job so you had was, a different business yeah. and it wasn't something you wanted to continue with? Nope. No, nope, so it was just, not making me any money. So, so okay. So we made the decision a little easier. Okay, well, <laughs> might sure. as well go all in with this. <laughs> yeah, that's inspiring. I, I I do like that. I mean, for some people, when they have that that wonderful uh, paycheck, that you know, quote unquote, wonderful, uh, they don't want to leave it. Right? It's harder. It is. I was just talking to someone last night who you know has a great paying job and his portfolio now pays him as much as his job, and he's like, I kind of just want to quit right now. Yeah. Well, what's stopping you? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's obviously a little bit of a fear factor. It's even harder when you don't, um, when you don't already have an income-producing business working for you, like you have. Yeah, 
So I'm guessing you probably wouldn't recommend somebody go, um, you know, quit, quit cold turkey and then start real estate investing. No, I, I was having this discussion just the other day with a, yeah. with a, with another investor, right? Who's who's uh, just starting off, and I was like, and he and he has a good paying job. I said, listen, why don't you just max out as much as you can get, right? Go and get mortgages if you can do yeah. it yourself before even looking for JB partners. Get that income going that can match your current yeah. income. Then leave. Why would you want to leave, right? Yeah, but, if you have a job, it is an asset in that you can get mortgages, right? Uh, for I've, sure. I had I've been self-employed for a long time, so I had to build up a track record to be able to get mortgages. They, you know, they want everything. They want every, you know, financial statement from every company I own, every, you know, two years tax returns and everything you know, else. Um, yeah. It is a, a large ask when you're self-employed to get to get a mortgage, oh, and and there's yeah. a lot of no's out there. So yeah, if you have a job, you do have that, and, and you know you want to be strategic about it, yeah. and uh, you know provided it's it's something that you can tolerate. And if it's not, then you'd go out and you get JV partners, and you you know you just you go pedal to the metal. Yep. So yeah, for sure, everyone has to make their own call with that. Well, Sav, it's been incredible, and I, I say this a lot, but I mean, we we definitely could could fill at least two hours, maybe three. <laughs> but I like to keep them around an hour, so um, we'll save it for for the next time. I might have to take you up on uh, on coming down and uh, doing a tour. I'll leave the Audi in in Windsor, and, <laughs> yeah. or I'll take a rental car. <laughs> Sometimes means. when I drive down, I rent a I rent like a the smallest compact car. Kind of looks like a clown car when I get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Sav. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Um, yeah, so I'm on all social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You can follow me. My handle is Real Estate Investor Sav. So Real Estate Investor Sav, all one word. Okay. Um, that's the best way. Or if you want to send me an email, it's sav at realestateinvestorsav.com. Okay, so you're on Insta, you're on Facebook? Or- yep, yep, okay. yep. Perfect. Yeah. So people can uh, can get a hold of you there and, and maybe learn a little bit more about what you do. Uh, it sounds interesting. It sounds fun, actually. Yep. Um, I'm glad which, you enjoyed. Uh, I'm a little jealous. I want to want to get down there and flip some properties in Detroit. <laughs> maybe Buffalo. That's closer for me. But uh, okay. So what's a uh, favorite thing to do outside of all this real estate stuff? Ooh. Um, hard question. Um, so I I. Uh, I'm a big soccer fan, um, okay. watching soccer, as you can see, <laughs> not okay. really playing, but uh, the English Premier League, um, um, specifically, and Liverpool Football Club. So yeah. my dad took me to one of the games when I was a little boy, and uh, I fell in love, and uh, uh, yeah, so th- uh, don't catch me on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, because that's usually when Liverpool plays. Uh, other than that, you know, yeah. uh, I'm good to go. <laughs> so Saturday morning beers or? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Just soccer. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. Uh, favorite food? Oh, my God. Oh, I'm um, East Indian. So anything spicy, man, I'll bring it on. I love it. I, I've been going through this thing lately where I, for some reason, nothing spicy seems spicy to me anymore. <laughs> Ever since I got back from the honeymoon about a month ago, and I didn't even eat spicy food there. We went to Italy and and uh, France oh, and okay. Austria. This, yeah, that's nothing not spicy, that's, yeah. but for some reason, just something changed. And now I keep buying hotter and hotter hot sauces. I'm like, I don't feel. Now it. you definitely have to come and see me in Windsor. Yeah, so yeah can got, we? Can we go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm coming down. Up. We're gonna you up for sure. You'll have me like crying and wishing I didn't. I'm sure. But uh, okay, Sav has been fun. Um, let's connect at uh, at one of these meetups again, and and then I'm certainly gonna have to come down and visit you. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you on the next one.